This is an AMI podcast. Tis now the summer of your youth. Time has not cropped the roses from your cheek, though sorrow long has washed them. This is AMI Audiobook Review, where we chat all things audiobooks on your weekly podcast. And the quote that we're starting off to, and I know that I've said to celebrate July in the past, but let's just say to embrace July. This one was by Edward Moore. And something about the reminiscence of July from a long, long time ago. You know, the the word youth uh, makes me think of my teenage years, but even younger than that as children. And it is very reminiscent of kind of losing your summers, losing this feeling of what summer was a long time ago and isn't anymore. So Nisreen, I'll bring you in because I'm so curious about this. So this quote is, as we kind of said off air, deep. It's very deep, okay? <laughs> but um, the the thing that makes me feel nostalgic in a sad way when I hear this quote is that once upon a time, summer was just running around. It was vacation. It was, you know, picking up leaves and sticks in your backyard and making what you will of them and and just being children, right? Just totally my mom running after us for being bare feet and uh, getting out when we weren't supposed to and absolutely careless, just careless summers. And now it's no longer like that. Of course, most of us still look forward to the summer, uh, forward to the good weather and, and whatever else vacations we might be taking. But it's never as it used to be when we were younger. That's my take of this. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't see any kids roaming around the streets anymore. I miss that. I mean, when we were kids, we used to get begged to come inside. We used to chase ice cream trucks around. Um, Yeah, we would stay from like morning to the evening. And even in the evening, like my parents would like tell us to come inside. Enough is enough. Um, No, you don't see any kids doing that these days. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those young, wild and free days, it's really all contextual and relative because I, when I think of summer, I think back to those days, the the reckless riding of bikes and um, getting up to all kinds of no good and running over to the convenience store with every nickel and diamond quarter we had to go get our... (laughs) our chocolate and our ice cream fixes. So that's those are the summer days that I definitely miss more than anything. So I mean, I did have a childhood throwback the other day where I got up on an electric uh-huh. scooter thinking that I was, you know, a child again. And uh, I fell pretty badly and mm. scraped my elbow pretty badly, started bleeding. And that just gave me a throwback to when I was younger. And I, I'm a pretty clumsy person since I was younger till now. I, I fell True. a lot. So yeah, it did give me Same. childhood memories of that moment. But it hurts more when you're an adult, Niz. It does, doesn't it? It hurts it does. more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And our ego. Much more wounded. That's also a thing. I was pretty embarrassed. That's true. So, Edward Moore, you've definitely made us think. Thank you. 
Thank you for this one. Let's take a look at the CELA homepage. We like to take a glance at this at the start of every show, celalibrary.ca for the Center for Equitable Library Access. The Girl in the Middle by Anis Granovsky. This is a biography. It's uh, up there on our featured titles. The second one is Love That Story, Observations of a Gorgeously Queer Life by Jonathan Van Ness, Humor Anthologies. Uh, And that one we discussed uh, in June along with other great titles and authors and narrators for Pride Month, actually. Still Just a Geek is the last one on the featured titles. This one's by Will Wheaton, Humor, Family, and Relationships. Will Wheaton's really um, really making us laugh with this rendition of the novel that he put out. So those are your featured titles. I'm Ramia Amudin, your host, here with Nisreen Abdelmajid, and we are inviting back a guest who was on the show a month ago, maybe. I'm really bad with the dates, but Sarah Hillis, she was on the show, and she's back because we have this brilliant idea for a monthly segment that we're starting today, and we're calling this conversation Know Your Narrator. So Sarah, this is all you. This is your baby. I said we. I know it was pretty uh, royal we-ish. But but it was uh, you who thought of this idea. And I think it's awesome. So why do you think that it's great to kind of um, have this in the making for the next little while, this Know Your Narrator segment? We talk narrators all the time here on the show too. So that's a pretty big reason why. Um, I just think that... A lot of times, well, it depends on who you are, but I mean, I grew up with tons of narrators in my life as a result of reading talking books and then commercial audio books. And I I always wondered who the heck these people were. And I thought other people might want to know too, especially some of the really well-known people in the, in both the commercial and the, the volunteer library world. Mm. Uh, Cause some of them are parts of our childhood. Some of them are kind of the soundtrack of our lives. Like I've already had a couple requests from people to do certain ones. So it looks like people think that it's a good idea. So that's cool. I don't know. I will ashamedly add here that sometimes these people, we know them just by voice and nothing else. Sometimes it's not even by name, you know, like, Oh, I know that, that person. Oh yeah. This is the guy who does all the series. I love him, but I have no clue who it is, or, you know, seldom do we actually go and check out their background. Yeah, exactly. And some of these yeah. people are really um, well-respected actors. Some of them are, like, they, they're not just random people off the street, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> they work exactly. really hard, and yeah. So. Exactly. And I love how you said the the soundtrack of our, our books, our lives, our everything, because um, so many times, if I reread a book especially, the narrator is what absolutely makes the book to the point where even if there's a movie with the characters, and I'm going to bring Harry Potter into so everybody cover your ears, but Harry Potter, <laughs> Jim Dale's rendition, I love it so much. And I'm so familiar with his version of the characters that, you know, when I watch the movies, I'm like, eh, Jim does a better job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Luna Lovegood or something, you know? So you compare. Absolutely. And I already know the narrator does the better job. But do I know much about Jim Dale other than his uh, life as a comedian? Not really. So it's a very good point, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, okay. I, I agree with you about the Harry Potter. I haven't read the Stephen Fry ones, and I intend to, mm-hmm. because there, there's this controversy of which is better. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's super fans for each side, so it's really hard to argue yeah. Yeah. with Matt Agnew, who says that Stephen Fry is better. But first, <laughs> we, we won't talk Stephen Fry or Jim Dill on today's episode, or at least not more than we've already done. No. So who's our first pick for Know Your Narrator? Well, a friend of mine told me that this was an inspired choice, so it's high praise. This is Frank Muller. He is probably the, well, this same friend called him the greatest audiobook narrator of all time. Oh. Uh, So he really enjoys him. And um, interestingly with Frank, um, he was the first narrator for recorded books, which was one of the first commercial producers of audiobooks. I don't think it was the first, but uh, they started doing public domain books in the late 70s and 79, and Frank was their first choice, reading The Sea Wolf by Jack London, which is actually a very good story. Okay. But, uh, so yeah, um, Frank Muller was born uh, May 5th, 1951 in the Netherlands. Uh, he was the oldest of five children. You would not know he was from anywhere but the United States, if you hear him narrate. Uh, uh, he, accent? He, he immigrated with his parents when he was five. So mm. he, uh, he basically, yeah, he, he sounds American, whatever. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, he was an actor for a long time. Uh, and he, he was in New York at the, uh, Riverside Shakespeare company for several years. He played Edmund and King Lear, who's a really good villain. Uh, that would be really interesting to hear. And he had some supporting roles on 80s TV shows like Life Goes On, uh, uh, even um, All My Children, the soap opera. Wow. I I don't remember that, but that would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm not sure if it was the movie or the TV show of Harry and the Hendersons, but one of those ones. Uh, So, yeah. So he already had this background of like, um, from the other ones you were saying, the, the villain and the more intense characters. Yeah, I think he Is played that accurate? a lot of... I, I believe that's true, that he played a lot of intense characters. And and if you hear any of his books, uh, he can make the happiest scene sound just really intense. <laughs> like, he's just got this voice. It's, like, really deep and, like, ooh, you know. And, um, he, he, um, he became an author of choice... Uh, I mean, a narrator of choice. He became a narrator of choice for authors such as... Uh, Stephen King, John Grisham, Elmore Leonard, like they picked him. They picked him to do a lot of their stuff in the in the 80s and 90s. Nice. And, and he won the Audie Award in 2002-2003 for Best Male Narrator for, respectively, Cold Heart Canyon by Clive Barker and Tishomingo Blues by Elmore Leonard. So. Okay. Okay, this is really, really interesting. So first of all, I'm intrigued by him being chosen as the narrator of choice for uh, John Grisham and um, Stephen King, right? Mm-hmm. That is because like as we kind of go through his career and the kinds of things that he's often seen doing, especially with acting, uh, to pick to have them pick him is kind of an honor, right? Because now we like in the 80s, I I can't speak to how big these authors were, but we now know like how huge um, their works are, especially like how vast and and number of works. And to say, okay, he's going to be the one who narrates all of them is pretty awesome. 
Yeah, well, it wasn't all of them for sure, but it was certainly yeah. uh, se- several several ones for certain kinds of books. I think they picked them, but but uh, I've I've got him narrating um, different seasons by Stephen King, which is a collection of novellas. It's it's very well done. Okay, and the first time I ever heard him narrate was uh, Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. It's right, and in. it was just. I couldn't stop listening. I just kept reading and listening. I mean, the book is, of course, amazing anyway, just suspenseful and amazing. But he Jeez. just did such a great job of Hannibal Lecter and everything, right? Like, it was so good. And it fits right in, like, into the kind of profile that he's already adapted Um with the kind of tone, I guess, that he was setting for his career. But I wonder, you know, if if there were any interviews and, and things on his own perspective of becoming a narrator, you know, like, was that a, a thing he wanted to do? Like, we know that now it's very known that actors, actresses, celebrities, uh, it's very popular for them to go in and and read books, especially narrate their own books, et cetera, et cetera. But um, when he was uh, the, did you say the debut narrator for recorded books? Yeah. Yeah, like, so during that time, it's kind of, um, maybe an interesting turn of events. Yeah, they were looking for people to start their business, obviously. And I, I believe that Henry Trentman saw him in a play or something and and uh, and just thought his voice was great. And I haven't actually read anything up on his own his own thoughts on it, but given given the prolificness with which he worked, he obviously loved doing it and you can just tell by his reading like he he obviously just loved it yeah it just just seemed that way and i mean it's so sad because in 2001 he had this horrible motorcycle accident that that uh he, he had head injuries and things and so after that he was very much under doctor's care and things like this um how respected he was was that Stephen King, John Grisham, Pat Conroy, and Peter Straub like did a benefit for him and his family after this. They they organized this. Uh, so well known authors by two thousand and two, right two thousand one, two thousand two, they did this benefit for him, which is great. And then Stephen King, beca- kind of because of Frank Muller, made the Wave Dancer Foundation, which is for midlist authors and freelance workers in the public publishing industry as well as audiobook narrators just to support them uh when they you know get give them grants and stuff so yeah it's kind of neat and uh, tragically he died like far too soon still had lots of books left in him in 2008 uh because of complications due to this uh this accident but uh and i think of it in the context of you know your friend who believes that he's the greatest narrator i don't want to misquote them but <laughs> But, That's what he said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and think, you know, he um he died without having completed, I guess, everything that he could have, right? Um if, for example, you know, if you're thinking of a Stephen King series and if he had narrated some of it but not all, that's a huge disappointment for fans of the narrator to to not have the rest narrated narrated in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I wonder about that too, because did you read any of the, the Stephen King versions of his narration or like books with his narration? Uh, just different seasons. Okay. Um, 
which I okay. think might have might have been the only one he did, but I don't know now. It's it, I haven't I have so many Stephen Kings. I have to think about it. But <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, and I um, and I'm curious too. Like for you, how because you said Silence of the Lambs, right? That was another. That was a, the first read. Mm-hmm. Um, do you particularly enjoy how intense? Now we're going to get subjective, okay? So the objective part of it is done. Um, do you enjoy how intense it can feel to to have this kind of narration? Are you really into that? You know, is he very theatrical with it? Um, yeah, intense. It's 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 kind of gravitas, really. Um, I, I'm sorry, he did read The Green Mile, which right. and he did The Green Mile just amazingly well. It's an awesome book, anyway, and. And he he wasn't theatrical, but you could tell every character, even if there wasn't said so and so written in the novel, you knew that that character was talking. So he he made a really good study of how the character should sound, and uh, he he did a great job with with that book. Especially, there's a lot of characters in that book, um, and uh, also the Prince of Tides, which is not a horror novel; it's a sort of Oh, family saga kind of novel, I guess, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really intense. It's got mental illness in it and lots of lots of really intense scenes. And again, he just did it so well. Like, can we see him narrating something that isn't kind of like when we ask the question about typecasting, right? That isn't this type of book. If he were to pick something that was just a light, casual read, um, could we see? this being narrated i don't know it would be interesting because <laughs> he probably could he probably could change his voice to do it but i don't know he's all his books seem to have suspense or or you know darkness in them somewhere you know like <laughs> i'm i'm curious about that because when i hear it's not just the narrator it's the whole package right so this being narrated by this person and i listen to it at this point in my life and now that's set. That's stamped the way it is. Um, and I have I have this issue with movies and TV in general as well. Like when I when someone has impacted me so much with their performance uh, in in one particular context, I find it so hard to shake that off and and uh, put them in a new role. That's nothing on them. Uh, and obviously, we we want to be able to see these people in other roles, but especially with voice, I think it makes such a huge. Um, like it, it just puts itself right into to my impression of them, right? Like the the narration, or I guess it doesn't have to be audiobooks, but anything with voice. It's just so clearly that that now I can't take it and put it into something else. And so I wonder about that if this person is narrating, if Frank is known for narrating such, you know gruesome or dark or you know very intense things as we've been using um wonder if it's hard to take him out of that (laughs) yeah I've never I can't I haven't looked but I've never seen him narrate like a comedy novel right or or like a room like a really frothy like romance type thing um it's it's again it's always something there's always action or there's always something thriller like or just something intense about his books that I've yeah. ever heard anyway. And you said you're not, uh, you weren't quite familiar with him on All My Children, but maybe the role in that was a little, <laughs> a little 
more light. Well, that's what I'm. What I, I need to research it now because I used to watch that thing with my mom all the time. Oh, so maybe it was a character you didn't even notice was him. Yeah, that might have been be before funny. I knew him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, but this is so great. Anything else about Frank Muller um, that you wanted to? I mean, obviously he has fans still. These these works of, you know. Um, that he's narrated are still huge up there. Oh yeah, like my my uh, husband Mike, who we know from Kelly and Company, of course. Mm-hmm. He he said when he got the Green Mile, and it's it's not just. I mean, it was Stephen King, absolutely, because it's an. It used to be a. It was made as a serialized novel, so every couple of months would be another novel, another part of it. Uh, six little novels made a huge one, and he did it like in the way of Dickens used to do, you know, that kind of thing. So Mike would get these tapes and then he'd finish the tapes and he'd be like, when's the next tapes coming? I got to I got to hear the next, <laughs> the next bit. Of, Cause, because it was Steven and Frank, like he just, yeah. he just wanted to go back and he takes you right into the world he's creating for you. That that's the cool thing about his narrating style. Right? And how much goes into that, right? Like, I'm always so curious, you know, who is, picking up these books and just going into the studio and saying, okay, let's just, uh, and let's just see how this turns out versus <laughs> pre-reading and understanding. Like I, I'll bring Jim Dale back because I've um, listened to him talk about how, how invested he was into these Harry Potter books. Right. And that was another one where um, JK Rowling had asked him to, to narrate these. And so he said that, you know, he would have to record the first line of every character and go back to that. Because let's say a, a character just made a small caveat in um, in in one of these, um, or small appearance in one of these books and then comes back a book later. You know, you don't fully remember how you'd performed that character, right? And then have to go back and refresh your memory on that. And he said he'd have to do that all the time. Re-listen to that first line and reconnect to that character from the very beginning and um you know that to me is is a lot more than just (laughs) just saying yeah I think I like this voice for this character (laughs) you know oh yeah no a lot of them say that they they either they either do it themselves or they work with the producer to yeah just you know do a script and decide how they're doing things and oh yeah no there's a lot and I would I would say Frank did a similar just he's he's like it's so polished that I would say that he pretty much is the same kind of was the same kind of narrator uh, most definitely I mean it's cool to see and he's a big one so we started off with a, a a pretty big name right but um it would be cool to see how much work is being put into uh the prep of narration as we get into like different types of narrators you know, even even with the smaller narrators or people who've done not so many books or even narrators who've only done their own bio- biographies or something like that. They've narrated their their own stuff. And that's pretty much it, because, um, you know, Stephen King, as you've mentioned, his books are huge, regardless of them being audiobook narrated by Frank Muller. But um, sometimes I'm always stuck to say or I could be stuck to say, you know, is this, was it the narration that made this book? Could it have been that great without that narration? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've come across a book that 
isn't worthy of Frank's talents that I've read. I haven't read everything. I haven't read close because I don't read a lot of John Grisham or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were some that he he made better. I'm sh- I, mean, I think that I think that's true of almost every narrator. There's probably a couple of books that they've made better by their their performance of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely thinking so. But you know, we're not going to blast those on air right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sarah, this has been really fun. I'm looking forward to it. You'll be joining us uh, once a month to to start with this and see how it goes. And we uh, can talk narrators further down the line with you. And for anyone who is like, I don't know what Frank sounds like, you can search him up, Frank, uh, and last name M-U-L-L-E-R, Muller. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been fun. It has been fun. Sarah Hill is joining us on AMI Audiobook Review, where we chat all things audiobooks. And we're going to be back next week with a guest. Until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.